Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore of the Warning podcast. This is our review of Bones and All. I'm Christopher Stacey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, we're catching up on a few things that uh, we've seen over the last bit while we were traveling and stuff. Um, but yeah, here we're going to talk about a little film called Bones and All. Question for you, Stephen. Explain to me the uh, you know causal link of transactions. You have uh, this director makes a film with Timothy Chalamet and Army mm-hmm. Hammer. Um, that is this, you know, little, little gay coming of age, uh, story, uh, army hammer goes on to become an actual cannibal. This director and Timothy Chalamet decide to make a film about cannibals. Um, yep. is there anything <laughs> there? That I, we I can... mean, <laughs> you know, certainly when this movie was announced that that is immediately where, where my head went. Now the boring answer is that this movie was adapted from a book and it was already in the works long before anything about Army Hammer came to light. The much more fun answer is that Luca inspired Army Hammer to have a cannibal fetish by talking about the fact that he was going to make this movie <laughs> while they were on set together. During that phase when Army was supposedly like in love with Luca or whatever, he was like going around. He he had a few press releases after where he seemed like he he was trying to make a big deal out of the production of that movie. Gotcha. But no, unfortunately, I think they are very unrelated to the point where um, Luca has actually been asked about this in interviews. <laughs> and Wait, he I mean, said, how can you not? <laughs> Yeah, he said, of course, they're unrelated. And then he also said he would love to do a Calling By Your Name 2 and have Army Hammer reprise his role. So Luca does not cancel people who ought to be canceled. And I'm just (laughs) going to choose to uh, ignore that for for the sake of this movie. Maybe he just likes eating at the same restaurants that Army Hammer does and he doesn't want to get disinvited. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that was obviously uh, my my silly uh, way to intro to us uh, to this little film called Bones and All. Uh, any any serious comments before we get started, Stephen? Whew. I don't I don't know. I'll, all I'll say is I went into this movie not knowing anything except for the idea of cannibal romance, and um, I thought that it was interesting to know so little about it, like not even know how literal the idea of cannibal romance was going to be or not be in the movie. I- I, I, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be even more honest, Stephen. Uh, until like right before going to watch this film, it didn't even dawn on me that Bones and All had anything to do with cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know saw a bunch of emaciated uh, you know young uh, couplely people um, maybe getting oh, into some showing all their bones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no. In all seriousness, I I. I I kind of started to hear about it being a cannibal movie, like as I got closer to seeing it. But this is a film that, like, I I knew very, very little about, other than a little bit of that. Like, there wasn't even a whole lot of chatter that I was listening to. It was mostly a thing where, like, you were out and away, and I was just like, "Oh, what kind of stuff can I see over uh, <laughs> over Thanksgiving break?" I'm like, "All right, this is playing at Alamo. I'll see that. This is playing at Alamo. I'll see that." Um, so I kind of yep. went in kind of as blind as I can be generally being somebody who does watch trailers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, this this film was mostly a uh, surprise to me. Okay, oh, so now I have the real right question here, which is similar to when we saw Raw in theaters, which is, what did you eat 
while you watch this movie and how did you time your meal? <laughs> I uh, I got a burger. Um, mm-hmm. I was there early enough and the theater was definitely empty enough. Like I saw it in theater three, um, which yep. is like, it's like, you know, like two and a half rows basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I got my burger and ate it real fast. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect as far as how you know, gory or whatever this film could get. But I was, I was definitely not like, even raw didn't bother me that much. Right. Like most Mm -hmm. of the, like one of the grossest things you see in raw is somebody eating raw chicken out of a fridge late at night. Right. Right. Like I feel like most of the other stuff was actually surprisingly tame in a way, Mm -hmm. um, in that film. Um, so I was kind of not expecting anything too, uh, too gory in a way that might off put me. Um, but uh but but yeah i i I didn't i didn't try to avoid my usual eatings um for this film Mm -hmm. i i will say i abstained from eating having nothing to do with the movie i just like happened to not eat during this one but i was i was glad i chose not to yeah i i also the other thing that i did is not only did i not abstain from eating but i almost got popcorn um Mm -hmm. my theater was mostly empty but then right before the showing it started filling up and yeah. I always do the thing where I don't want to be the person who orders too much crap on my table and then I share that table with somebody else and then now there's this weird dance. So I only will get popcorn if I have my own table. Um, so I didn't even get the I popcorn. <laughs> I, need, I need to, even though this is the wrong review, I just need to tell you my story of being at the AMC for Glass Onion. Uh, already told you that I like confidently said someone was sitting in my seat only to realize I was in the wrong row. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happened. But the next thing that happened is so I had booked um, multiple seats because it's AMC. I don't I don't know what they're doing over there. I want a buffer for myself. You know, yeah, I thought Joanna might come, but I booked like a, a third seat too, just to make sure she would have a buffer anyway. Yeah. Moments before the movie started, this like young couple came in and sat in a seat that I knew was one of mine. And I had a moment of being like, am I going to tell them I know that's not their seat and then have to reveal that I booked three seats for myself? (laughs) And I decided not to. And I just let them be there uh, talking during the whole movie. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Yeah. Did you tell them, hey, don't talk through that movie. You'll be able to watch it on Netflix in a month. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Ready to get started, Stephen? Yep. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Bones and All and then come back and give everyone a review. But you can't spend the night? Not all night. So where'd you move here from anyway? Eastern Shore. Try that. You have to be good and gone. I can't help you anymore. I know it's not your fault. You were born this way. You ate them. I believed you had to. I don't know why. I smelt you. I didn't know I could do that. I thought I was the only one. I don't want to hurt anybody. Famous last words. There are lots of us. I don't actually meet many others. Why did you offer to bring me along? You seem nice. I am nice. I came looking for you. I smelled you. You can smell me half a mile away. Can you do that? Not that far. I got rules. 
never, never, ever ate an eater. I thought you might be hungry. For hens? No. Who lives here? Is there someone dead up there? I'm not gonna be like that. We don't have many options. Either you eat, you off yourself, or you lock yourself up in there. We're dangerous. You one of us? Jake's teaching me how to smell other eaters. <laughs> but we can hurt one another just as bad. Go, 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 go. It's too much. We gotta do this. We have to do it. You've been following me? We got unfinished business. You don't think I'm a bad person. So that was the trailer for Bones and All is basically the story of a young uh, woman who uh, has compulsions to eat and consume human flesh and the story of her as she, uh, you know, wanders off on her own and tries to figure out how to survive with uh, the state of who she is. Um, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Bones and All? Yeah, so like I mentioned, I really knew nothing about this movie. I mean, I knew Luca Guadagnino had directed it, but also I've only seen Call Me By Your Name from him. Like, I I don't have any kind of broader sense of his work. And I hadn't heard any buzz about the movie in any direction. Honestly, I don't know if I would have known that it existed if it weren't just playing at Alamo as one of the things that I felt like I should catch up on. Um, and I'm a little surprised by this as well as you might be. Uh, but I think I love this movie. <laughs> um this is really, in multiple ways, kind of my American honey this year, where it is, you know. I, I feel like you said that already at some point, like, recently in the last few weeks. No, that was Honey Boy. Oh, uh, Honey Boy, yeah, yeah, Sun yeah. was my Honey Boy. This is my American honey. Because gotcha, this gotcha. is the, the road trip movie through America that is about misfits and kind of like tattered people who are flawed and who are finding each other it, it, it there, there was something to it uh, i had i knew nothing about what this movie was going to do i didn't know if there would be any cannibalism in the movie like i truly didn't even know if cannibal romance was a real thing or was just like a description of like a craving that someone had at some point in the movie um and it just it manages to be so kind of lush in the filmmaking style, um, much like Call Me By Your Name. Like, I just think there are shots and emotional tender moments that just worked so well on me. And I also found it very unpredictable, like mild spoilers for this movie. Uh, people do eat people in this movie on screen <laughs> um, <laughs> multiple times. Um <laughs> Characters that you sympathize with uh, eat people on screen <laughs> yeah. multiple times. And there is a kind of um, fascination with this, like, this idea of being othered or, like, having a, a craving or thing that you are told is wrong and you kind of hate yourself for, but you can't stop. That I think, 
I think it would be too reductive to just call this a metaphor, but it certainly brings up a lot of things like queerness seems like a really big subtext of this. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that we hear like the Reagan administration talking in the background. And this is set in a time when being queer was kind of associated with the potential loss of life and, you know, diseases that people didn't understand yet. And they were blaming for it. Like the idea of being a teenager and feeling like something about you is wrong and other people can sense it and is potentially dangerous. I just thought it was such a, interesting angle that i'm curious if it was in the source material or if it was just kind of added by the director after the fact um but in that context not connecting the metaphor because again there is no perfect metaphor for it it'd be very problematic if this were literally a metaphor for what it means to be othered as a teenager um yeah I just found the emotions that it brings up so kind of lovely and beautiful. And the fact that it does that with uncompromising characters who do things that we as human beings see as definitely wrong or definitely not good. I just think there's like a challenging nature to it. And the way Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell kind of play that challenging nature with such like tenderness and empathy i i just found the combination very interesting it, it was just a movie that surprised me in a lot of ways and it was kind of beautiful and strange at the same time um and then there's the pack of side characters who i have <laughs> i've hit or miss feelings about um i think michael stuhlbarg is fantastic in this movie like i yeah. love the the world building that is brought up here of this world of cannibals and there are people out there who are cannibals and what does it do to them being exiled what do they do with this craving what kind of person do they turn into and he brings just so many interesting layers to that role i i just loved when he showed up um by contrast I think Mark Rylance is getting a good amount of praise for this role because he knows how to kind of he plays it where he's kind of a a cipher like like you you could see him as being wholly good or wholly menacing just depending on like a motion he does with his face but for me as I referenced to you before he just sounded exactly like every Mark Rylance character I've heard in the last few years, <laughs> where it's just this guy whose head is in the clouds. So I couldn't, I couldn't get over the fact that I felt like it was just Mark Rylance from Don't Look Up <laughs> as a cannibal. He was normal in Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> You're right. That was a that was quite a few years ago. <laughs> oh. Anyway, Mark Rylance didn't wholly work for me, but everything else about this movie I just thought was really, really beautiful and surprising. And it was a very small movie. You know, I don't have a ton of details to dive into and talk about. It just took me on an emotional journey. And I love how Luca is unafraid to be really romantic and then also really gory and just show all of it. And there's this kind of like weird visceral romanticism to what he does that just i don't know it it captured something in me that i was not expecting when i watched it yeah so um i mean i'll, I'll rip the band-aid off um not 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 you know for fear of 
exposing blood that might send you into a frenzy and make you want to eat me. Um, yep. I'm still going to rip the bandaid off and say that I definitely didn't like this film as much as you did. Um, mm-hmm. I There is a lot of stuff that I did enjoy in this film, though. I, I think, like, as you mentioned, the world building is really, really interesting. Like, I, I, I definitely like trying to learn about, you know, how does how do different people in this world deal with the compulsion and the people who embrace it versus the people who try to like put it off and hide it and sort of the way that like different people within the society also play into it like the rules that people create for who they will or won't eat um or what lengths they will go to to provide something that they could eat um that was all super super interesting and kind of seeing um you know slowly learning the backstory of this character through these tapes that have been left for her to figure out when were the first time things happened to her when were the second time when people meet they always ask each other about their first time and like all these things to like try to get to know each other compare stories with each other learn from other eaters in the world like just the fact that there are they refer to themselves as eaters is is like an interesting concept like like all that kind of yeah. stuff was exciting i like that i like the road trip nature of this world um the sort of putting two characters one who embraces who they are and one who doesn't um is a very very interesting thing to do and that all that kept me drawn into the story you know you you've already kind of brought up the like the queer coding of a lot of stuff in this film mm-hmm. um Something about that didn't quite work for me because it was it it was not it never existed in pure metaphor or literal making this subtext right. be text. And when it dipped into literal text, it was counter to the thing that we were watching on screen where it was like the context of you making it literal breaks down in the who you were pairing off and like what you're asking them to do in the story. Right. And it made me go like, is this a metaphor? Is this just literal? Like just the way that the characters behave and the decisions they made felt like, okay, so now you're talking like, you know, there, there are points where Timothy Chalamet, you know, may try to find an appropriate person to interact with and like right. it is it is now just straight literal text it's not subtext yep. anymore it's no longer a metaphor it's just going for it but then it's like wait but it doesn't make sense of like what you're asking like you're coding it as though this is supposed to be a metaphor but you're making it literal and then it's counter to who the character seems to be based on the actions they're taking everywhere so it, it was just there was mm-hmm. something about that sort of like it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, strafing the line or whatever. It, w- it was just flip flopping back and forth between like, mm-hmm. when is this going to be a metaphor for something? Whether it's like, you know, the the compulsions and the, and the thinking that somebody is not right or the the thinking you're alone in the world and then suddenly straying off on your own and finding out that like there are so many people like you that like there's a community of people to help support you in this thing that you are compelled to do like it there's so much stuff that it like wants to play with where i'm like i almost wish it would be more metaphor or not at all because mm-hmm. it, it didn't it didn't seem like it knew how to straddle that's the word i was looking for yep. <laughs> not strafe it was strafing the line i wanted it to straddle the line um yep. and, and something about that just it kept taking me out because i'm like oh this is interesting i'm like wait but that doesn't make sense and i'm like oh, okay this is interesting and i kept i kept flip-flopping myself as being in the movie and out of the movie because i kept trying to see what the filmmakers seemed to be trying to do versus the story they were trying to tell and it's like yeah. as a metaphor it's amazing that as soon as you run away from home, you find more people like you and you become more comfortable in your own skin. And like, I, I love that as a metaphor, but like, 
really you've lived your entire life and never encountered another eater but this film makes it seem like there's eaters fucking throw a rock and you'll hit an eater like it, it just mm. you know what i mean like it seemed it seemed like there was weird stuff that sort of was counter to what i expected from the story and then there's things that like feel like not backing all the way back out there's things to be a metaphor like the first uh scene of violence that we see in this film is when uh you know it it involves people being in close proximity to each other and yep. like smelling a finger right and yeah. in my head there's in the clearly moment, some homoeroticism in, yeah yeah in but, the way it depicts violence but but, but that's not even the thing i was going to say what i was going to say is like in that moment uh the girl is like try this one it's called copper fury or something like that And in my head i'm like copper like the taste of blood like this but then i was like no that's a color not a scent they're not scented nails they're colored like it where it was like it, it was trying to even play in the zone when it was just mm-hmm. what are we going to name this shade of nail polish and it was like first in the back of my head i'm like that's cool i'm like no that's dumb what am i what am i even thinking and I, I kept i kept being distracted by what the filmmaker was trying to do and i couldn't fully sink into the story um and then by the end of it like i feel like once again a band-aid is just ripped off and it's kind of like and we're done with the story now (laughs) you know what i mean and i felt like i felt like it didn't amount to anything learned from the character just a journey experienced and it's not that i need the character to learn anything over the course of this journey but it's like what she needs is for somebody to teach her how to be and at the Mm -hmm. end i feel like she doesn't get what she what she's searching for in like yep. she just has gone on a journey and then i am uh, i wonder what i just watched <laughs> like what it amounted mm-hmm. to and i get the beauty of like once again like I've, I've said this a lot on different reviews where it's like if i just take this as a fairy tale it's beautiful like it's fine uh but if i'm actually dissecting it like one might dissect a body to consume the best parts of the meat um I'm left hungry still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I understand um all of that. To me and I know you aren't saying you needed it to be a perfect metaphor. You're saying the way it kind of felt like it flip-flopped between being very literal sometimes and then other times going against it. To me the the way it cast kind of a cloud over what it was trying to say was part of what I liked about it because what I think I think the movie is more focusing not just on queer coding like I I don't think there is a one size fits all story being told here so much as the idea of the kind of when you grow up, the feeling of having passions and also maybe hating yourself for your passions and trying to figure out what do you do with this? You know, is there a perfect way to be or are you always going to have some kind of regret seeped into it? There was something to that that made it more powerful to me because I couldn't just go like, oh, being a cannibal is like being queer. And that means her relationship with her dad is like, like, you know, like there was nothing like that. And I, I enjoyed that because what I felt like this was, I've probably used this metaphor for other movies that do not fit at all too. This is like a, where the wild things are for like being (laughs) like college aged and overrun with hormones and feeling like you don't belong and you are disgusting, but also doing actions and coming into your body and it it just has this like 
there's something about it that felt like it worked on an emotional and kind of psychological level in a way that was made better by the fact that I couldn't draw any neat lines as to like, this is the one message it's saying. And, you know, you talk about there's someone who knows how to be and someone else who needs to be taught how to be. And you kind of want the movie to operate where at the end of the day, she learns how to how she should be, you know, how to carry this like closer to what Call Me By Your Name was. And in, in many respects, you know, the literal narrative of that movie is kind of what we're trying to map onto this movie. Um, but it doesn't end that way, because I think what this movie is saying is shit is complicated and in the process of figuring out who we were here for we all say queer people but i i think it broadens to anyone um in figuring out who we were we probably left scars and we probably didn't do everything right and how do we grapple with the fact that we were hurt and maybe we also hurt people in our orbit at the same time and i think there was just something more beautiful about that to me even though i also don't know 100 percent what it means um I should mention, I'm I'm not trying to say that in the height of the AIDS crisis, it was wrong or anything like that. I'm just saying the feeling of complicated loathing and something that I imagine you would be going through in that time. It, yeah. it seems like it would all get tied together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing that, uh, you know, like, you know, we just played the tra trailer a second, a second ago. And, you know, there's that line at the end of the trailer where she goes, all I know is that I love you. And mm. I'm like. I'm pretty sure this entire movie is like a cross state drive <laughs> and mm -hmm. your entire existence has been like in a generous estimate. It's been like a week of time, <laughs> I feel mm -hmm. like. So um, I, mean, I know that's a trope of all movies, you know, like aliens invade and sure. suddenly two characters are in love by the end. But like it just it seemed it seemed like there was a there was a big leap <laughs> to get to that point in yep. time. Yeah, again, though, if I can call back to Call Me By Your Name, you know, it, 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 in these kind of movies, it it is about like a very sudden and intense feeling, you know, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah, yeah. clearly no. what she's I, going I, through. I get it. I, get it. I, I hear it. I'm, I was surprised because I'd never seen a trailer until you played the audio, you know, when we were recording this. Yeah. I was surprised that that line made it into the trailer because in the movie, that line is like very late in the movie and I was tearing up while I listened to it. Um <laughs> But this kind of uh, splices it apart and drops it in different parts of the trailer in a way yeah. that surprised me. What, one last joking question for you, Stephen. Um, yeah. This is not even a complaint joke. It's just a joke joke. Um, remember in a ghost story, Rudy Mara like eats a pie in real time? Mm -hmm. Did you want that for Bones and all? Like just, just like straight, like just give us like, you know... <laughs> A pack of eaters just sl slowly consuming a body in real time. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. I can, I can see that. <laughs> I can definitely see that. I, I did feel like the camera. It's funny because, you know, Luca Guadagnino is clearly painting some parallels between, and he's not the first to do it. You know, Raw was also this between feasting on meat and having sex right like gore and sex and bodily fluids and all of it kind of wrapped up in one yeah. the, the movie the camera lingers on entrails and people biting into things and the bloody aftermath and stuff so much more than i thought it was going to when i went into this movie and it's kind of 
odd that when I was watching those scenes, I kind of felt the shame you would feel from porn or something. <laughs> there, there was something weird where it felt like he really did tie those together. <laughs> my, my, my favorite sub, like subversion of that is that the first real prolonged eating scene is Mark Rylance just in his underwear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like they don't go for, like, no offense to Mark Rylance, but like they don't, they don't go for like fully sexualized violence in that moment, right? It's just like sad old man slowly eating a corpse. I don't, maybe we have different keywords. <laughs> <laughs> but, nice. No, I know. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it's a coincidence either that he's in his underwear and it isn't. I, I don't know. There, there is that, that clash of what it's saying is kind of what made me keep getting pulled into this movie <laughs> yeah, yeah i think not literally mark rylance in his underwear but there was something where there was no neat mapping to the story and the <laughs> the question of menace and how do i even feel about these characters and how do they feel about themselves it just seemed like a a really powerful psychological excavation to me and yeah. i don't totally know what it all means but i was just uh yeah i i was shockingly into it the longer it went on the more i was like am i really gonna love this movie i feel like i'm not i should but i i do <laughs> yeah um i want to ask you a question i don't know if we should go into mm -hmm. full-blown spoilers but i'll try to hint around it um Let, let's just go into spoilers okay it seems easier than dancing around it okay cool then we'll do a we'll do a small spoiler segment so for now before we get to spoilers let's go ahead and give our recommendations for this um steven if you're going to give the same must see record the caveat wait for until pass the caveat or a must avoid what would you give it i am giving it a pleasantly surprised must see uh, i think timothy and taylor both are just so excellent here and i really think it captures something about being young and coming into the coming of age and coming into having a body and all the complicated feelings that go with that. And I, I found it very moving in this kind of abstract way where I didn't always know why I was tearing up, but I teared up like multiple times. And I, I think it is a beautiful experience that more people should have because maybe some people will emotionally resonate that way too. And I don't think anything about, cannibal road trip movie is going to bring you into that seat <laughs> and expect that that is the emotional response you're going to have so i think this is complicated and uncompromising and also beautiful and i had a really good, nice experience watching it yeah uh well apparently i wanted compromising and uh what was the other word you said <laughs> the opposite of... <laughs> dang it i almost had it it was gonna be funny <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I'm going to give this a wait for rental. Um, it didn't work as well for me. Um, you know, it it's doing a lot of stuff and I enjoy a number of bits and pieces of it. Um, mostly the fleshy bits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the little the, the jowls and the, the little underarm oh, yeah. flaps. Um, you don't like the bones? <laughs> yeah, I don't like the bones. I like the all, but not the bones. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting concepts at play here and a lot of, you know, it's it, it it's easy to to discuss some of the themes in this film. I just wish the themes were a little bit more cohesive um, with the 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 raw narrative, um, and I didn't quite get uh, enough to make me not like spend too much time thinking about the themes as opposed to just purely feeling the emotions of the scenes. Um, but you know, I, I I didn't dislike the film at all. I just think it didn't it didn't really uh, 
stick with me the way yeah. that I, I would have hoped. Um, but it was, uh, it was no warm bodies. Yeah, it was no warm bodies. Um, but yeah, so that's it for the non-spoiler part of this review. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you that the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherMillerLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from Artlist.io, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, that music is going to fade up when that music fades out. Um, hide all your raw fleshy bits because <laughs> we're going to fight them off. <laughs> All right, we are back. This is the after part of our review of Bones and All, where we're going to be talking spoilers and all. And uh, yeah, uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up first, which is the thing that sort of transitioned us here into spoiler territory, is the uh, Michael Stuhlbarg has a buddy with him who is a non-eater eater, which is a yeah. person who is not actually an eater, does not contain the compulsion, but is apparently friends with an eater and is... He's like a, a poser, uh, an eater poser who is mm-hmm. trying to get in on the action and learning to eat and learning to uh, smell other eaters, even though he is not an eater. Um, and yeah, that that the, the the idea of that class of person in the context of this world was super super interesting um mm-hmm. i don't know what it means for all the metaphors that are going around in this world i don't think it does uh, that, that's one of those places where i think it just like it, it refuses to be just the metaphor basically yeah, yeah. it's trying to make it more complicated but yeah i, I really thought that was an, a compelling thing like just the idea of of I mean, it's it's been a little while since I've seen the film a few weeks now, um, but I feel like the the backstory for that character was that he stumbled into a field and saw Michael Stuhlbarg eating somebody and was like, that seems cool. And instead of yeah. like running and cowering, he was like, hmm, can I can you break me off a piece of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I, I even though I think it does not track with the metaphor anymore, I definitely got a kind of like he is a voyeur or he like he got some kind of like sexual like let me watch you know let me yeah. be there he's like he's a cuck <laughs> he's a meat cuck <laughs> but then he decides he wants to join in i i also that is an example of some of the kind of world building the movie is doing around the edges where i'm like wow there is a whole lore here that i could go down if yeah. i wanted to but um, that, that's the thing is like, I mean, I feel more comfortable talking about it if I remove the metaphors of this film completely. Yeah. Um, but the idea of a person who like, if you're born an eater, there is an actual compulsion. You know, different characters talk about uh, the first time they ate, um, they were in a situation, they blacked out. And when they came to, they were covered in blood, right? It's like a literal thing that you cannot control. Your body takes over, your instincts take over and you can and you consume it. Even the ones who have uh, uh, resigned themselves to the life of being an eater 
still are averse to it in some way. That's why they create codes like, you know, never eating other eaters or, you know, like Mark Rylance's character. Um, you, you can smell somebody who's close to death. And if you smell somebody who's about to die, you will wait till they die naturally and then consume them right after they've died. As opposed to just like, it's not like a, it's not a vampire situation where you're just like swooping down from the darkness and killing people and then, and then, and then eating them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in between Mark Rylance and, uh, you know, uh, Taylor Russell, like the, there is Timothy Chalamet's character who is sort of like, look. I'm going to kill some people, but like, I, I'm just going to kill like assholes or people nobody yeah. loves. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to just go around murdering people for fun. But like, you know, if you're drunk and, you know, maybe you deserve to die. Like, you know, um, mm-hmm. so, so I was really invested in seeing all that kind of stuff. But the idea of a person who has zero compulsion, but is just so fucking either turned on or intrigued by the ideal of mm-hmm. you know and like you know maybe an army hammer type <laughs> yeah who is just like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna eat me some of that flesh <laughs> that that is very it's it seems more like obviously the film portrays it as like we we feel sympathetic towards the people with the compulsion to eat um you know it's not their choice um they didn't mean to <laughs> in a lot of the cases um and but but a person who just like is like yeah I want to get on there and do this thing that's super fucked up it's gonna be crazy mm-hmm. um, there was something about that that really really intrigued me and like I wanted to know more about different kinds of people in the society and whether you know like obviously we have just those kind of four groups the people who can't control it the people who can and sort of maybe only pick bad people the people who can mm-hmm. control it can control when they do it and only pick people who are dying anyways and then the <laughs> the posers who are just fucking twisted um yeah i wanted to see even more groups of people and like like I, i'm i'm really interested in like you know not not fanfic in this world but like other stories yeah, the, the in taxonomy this world. of cannibals i yeah. i like i i also would have happily seen them continue to meet other eaters in this world just to get more of a sense of that i think though the that like taxonomy is kind of part of the complicated morals of the movie because I don't know about you, but for me, when the character Dale, who is the the guy who was not born an eater, but he has decided to become one anyway, I when when it's first revealed who he is and what he does, I much like the main character recoiled in a like, oh, well, he is evil then for doing that. Like I've already invented a morality in my mind where because I'm giving him the because he doesn't have this mystical thing that forces him to do it i'm like oh well he's a murderer he is absolutely wicked but then it's like you get in the details well how often do they actually need to eat you know like did uh did her mother do it right in that morality lens by locking herself away and not allowing herself to eat anyone you know um the, the the movie is it's toying with you and it's toying with you on a moral question where the answer should be clear to us but it's making it troubling because we empathize with everyone and then i think it's like there's something about how because it's playing with morality where we can't fully buy into the moral code of the universe it makes it feel like you are empathizing with people who you do want to relate to i I don't know how it works but there's something about it where like the fact that I think we can all agree murdering and eating people is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yet the movie makes us 
feel pangs for them and want them to live fulfilling lives and even be able to murder and eat assholes occasionally. Like, I don't know. There, there's something about that gradient that I think the movie is playing a lot with your moral compass in a way that I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to ask you a few nitpicky details or more thought experiments. Well, first, okay. first, I want to call out that Dale, the uh, the eater voyeur guy, is David Gordon Green, uh, the director of many movies, most recently the Halloween reboots, but also things that are more in the visual style of something like Luca. And it was uh, interesting to see him crop up there. So he was just literally a person who enjoys gore. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just like, give me some of that. Nice. Um, yeah. So here's my question for you. So the one thing, you know, we talked about the good things about the world board building, like these different types of people with their, their various sets of morals. All right. Putting all that on the side. You have a body in front of you, died of natural causes. Maybe you were just hitchhiking along the road and then somebody hit a body and then ran away. No harm, no foul. <laughs> Don't want to let this just go to the birds. Might as well eat this now, right? What are the rules of cannibalism from the standpoint of what feeds the compulsion, right? <clears throat> if, I have, if I'm not going to eat bones and all, all in that moment, how long... Can I be satiated by that meat if I just, you know, wrap some in a little, a little uh, handkerchief and put it in my pocket and save some for later when I need a little nibble, right? Is there, can I, can I cook human flesh and eat it? Like if I just prepared, like if, if, you know, if Hawthorne <laughs> was here and could like cook me the best thigh that I've ever had, <laughs> mm -hmm. would that still get rid of my craving or does it have to be like bloody raw flesh that just happened because i never understood why folks weren't like taking to go orders you know <laughs> right um, no i get it i yeah I, I think in this world it has to be bloody raw flesh that just happened and there's something about the ritual of feeding directly off of the body that is like necessary to it they're not the way the film shoots cannibalism in all cases except for maybe at the end where um she is eating timmy you know bones and all <laughs> there she seems very kind of cogent and like in control the whole time and doing this as a conscious act of love for him i mean it seems um, like there's a transition that slowly happens where it starts off as that yeah. but then the bloodlust takes over and it's like it's, she yeah, she seems to be going from in control to not in control. Because mm -hmm. every other case, that transition is very clear. And it's interesting because it isn't... The movie doesn't paint it as bloodlust in the way that we're used to seeing. Like, you, you were joking about, like, you know, um, if I would smell blood, right? And if that would be a problem. I, I forget yeah, what yeah. you were doing that would cause that to happen. Um, ripping off a bandaid. Rip off a bandaid, yeah. Um, this movie doesn't have that language much at all like they they talk about the idea of if you go too long without feeding you don't know what you're gonna do right you might yeah. snap but for the most part other than her as a teenager who isn't in control of it yet no one here is just like snapping and suddenly in a uh, 28 days later frenzy or anything like that like it's more they they know they have this thing to do they get ready for the ritual of it, and then they transition into creatures that have to eat. You know, not totally ravenously, just 
I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the, the visual language of how they feast is fascinating and honestly very hard to separate from the metaphor of sex <laughs> because <laughs> it is another one of those things where it, it'd be one thing if they were like, I go crazy when I smell blood like a werewolf or something and I just turn into something else and I become a danger to everyone. You know, that would, but, but this is more like I have this thing that supposedly I could deprive myself of forever. I'm not sure how exactly it might require a lot of effort in locking myself away from the world, but I could deprive myself of it forever. And every time I eat, it isn't because I was going to die five minutes later if I didn't eat. It's a thing that I know I need to be entirely who I am. And we need to find some accommodation for how that fits in my life. You yeah. know, like that to me is the part of it that is most sexual orientation <laughs> in nature, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And I, I, I just thought that was interesting. And that's the thing. Because like, if you think about it, if you wait until you black out, then you're, you, you know, you're more likely to go bones and all, right? If mm. you're, you know, having some, some Bob jerky like three times a day as mm. part of your square meals does that craving just never happen is the craving only happen mm. when you deprive it like that, that that's the thing that i'm kind of kind of getting at because it yeah. feels like you know not to i might just break a rule i know we're in spoiler territory for this film um but there is another cannibalist uh film that uh has come out in recent years um i think it was called fresh i, th I feel like mm. it's on hulu now it's got uh a Bucky in it. Um, oh, Sebastian's fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that involves cannibalism with a plan, right? Mm. But it's not about compulsion. It's about it's it's more it's more on the uh, the menu side of things, where it's like, oh no, just human flesh is great to eat. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and there is a way to uh, you know, like there's companies right now that give you toilet paper that's made from bamboo. Um, so you don't have to kill the whole tree just to make your toilet paper. You know, that, that film involves a similar, uh, idea, which is don't kill the whole tree. You know, you can eat, you can slowly eat something and have it not be dead. Mm -hmm. Right. I just feel like this film is not even interested in that idea of like, how do I actually handle the cravings as opposed to just indulge everyone? Cause I mean, think about it. Just the sheer fact that you have to do the work to kill somebody every time you want to eat. Like, I, I know that this film is essentially a, a period piece in the year of Walkman. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, it, this would be a much different film if it was like a modern day 2022 DNA and shit like that was a thing. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. this film would play out way differently. But the fact that, like, you, like it's still dangerous to go out and try to kill people if, if that's the class of eater that you are. Um, but it just seems like maybe there's better ways you know maybe maybe like like you know you got you gotta you gotta use the whole beast <laughs> mm -hmm. you take somebody out right if you're not like if you're right. bones and alling it then then good you bones and all of it but i mean if you're if you're chewing on some flabby arm meat and then yeah, throw you, some fava beans and chianti in there <laughs> but like you know you know what i mean at least find a pack of eaters where it's like, oh, you like brains? Cool. You got the brains. Oh, you like thigh meat? Okay, you got thigh meat. You like belly? Okay, go for the belly. Right? Like, like it just seems like it's uh, it's it's better to 
plan out as opposed to like let yourself succumb to uh the sudden thing and then just leave bodies around um yeah. i mean the film implies that they're they're always cleaning up the scene but i i, I, I refuse to believe that they can clean that well <laughs> right yeah I'm, I'm not sure how often they have to feed right the, the film is kind of ambiguous about that and it seems like some people indulge to the point where it is way more often than others um like like the length of mark rylance's braid rope isn't that long all things considering yeah you know um considering how old he is and how much life he's lived maybe it takes um, him a long time to make the rope and then he's so concentrated on the rope that he doesn't even have time to eat yeah when he first starts true. unwrapping the rope my assumption was just there's meat in there, right? Like he's mm-hmm. like, let me put some more meat in my purse. <laughs> but then, but then it's like a hair. And I'm like, oh, that's way worse than what I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, he. So first of all, to wrap up the conversation we were just having, I agree with you, and this gets back to the not quite literal and not quite metaphorical right aspect of the movie. Because if we are truly seeing this as just a pragmatic, how do you live with this? cannibalistic desire you're right there are all sorts of things that you could imagine a person building on top of it to make it better like we work in groups we eat to go we satisfy cravings in micro doses you know rather than all at once um (laughs) the movie is definitely not concerned with truly solving that problem yeah yeah. like maybe that is for all we know the just be a person path that they're going down in the end before uh, Mark Rylance comes back is something like that where like they are being purely ethical now and they found some way to satisfy the craving that isn't who knows you know who knows what it is but I think at that point and in a bunch of these points the movie wants to go into metaphor of give yourself over to lust and pleasure and joy you know like that that's kind of what the movie wants to do even if morally speaking in the universe of the movie that being glorified is hard to square you know now what i was gonna say on the mark rylance train is he makes a point early on of saying he always does it like this like he only eats people who he found who were already dying yeah at the end and my one real criticism of the movie which otherwise i think is really tight and doesn't overtell too much you know it mostly shows without telling is at the very end when Timmy, after we have seen the braid, clearly seen what the braid represents, you know, Timmy says, oh, my God, she killed, he killed Kayla or whatever her, his sister's yeah, his name sister's was. Name um, he didn't need to say that out loud. I'm just going to say right now that that is like the movie not trusting us with its own visual language. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you one the opposite direction. That could be any blonde girl. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yep. Um, anyway, what I was going to say, he killed her. He clearly didn't just find her dead and then eat her. So do we think he has been deluded and lying this whole time? Or do we think something awoke in him? No, he he, he states his, his wills, right? He was saying that, like, like if you would have stayed with me, it would have been fine. But you know too much about me and my habits. You can connect me to... Like, it, it was more of a, uh, um, like you know deleting all the witnesses right like like mm-hmm. she if any if you ever get caught because you don't follow my rules 
they could use you to find me like it, it was it was that sort of thing like it, it, it's she knew too much and um he was trying to literally eat all the evidence is the, is the way i sort of interpreted it and he was mm-hmm. he was breaking with formalities for the purposes of like if you can't if you can't be mine you're gonna be nobody's and it, it didn't seem overtly sexual but mostly like hey i i want a little colony I want a little pupil to continue my braid, <laughs> my braided rope yeah. once I'm gone. And, you know, maybe he wants to be consumed by another eater when he dies and maybe he's close to death or something like that. You know, like I, I can, I can extrapolate all over the place, but I, I, I think he knew he was breaking protocol coming after them, yeah. which is why he didn't lustfully just attack her. Right. He was like telling right. her like, you gotta know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying why did he attack them. I'm saying he killed Timothy Chalamet's sister and presumably ate her along the way in a way that would also violate his rules. But I don't think she is a witness to the fact that they're cannibals and certainly not that he, by extension, is a cannibal, you know? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't know what she knows, but I think that was mostly a punishing. He probably saw Timothy as the reason why she wouldn't stay. Like if mm. if only he was gone, and his sister was gone, then maybe, <laughs> you know, like I don't. It seemed like purely a fucked up thing. Like was purposely trying to be evil as opposed to, yeah. like, because why would he even be around her? Mm. Or maybe when he was driving around following them, he wasn't looking where he was driving, and he hit her, and then he was like, "Can't let this go to waste." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. My final thought on him is, and I can't explain this, so don't ask me for follow-ups. He reminds me of Yondu from (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) I don't remember the lore of Yondu at all, but I feel like traveling with him is like uh, traveling with Yondu. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Any last thoughts, Steven? That's all I got. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time. Bye.